0: Today on the Illini Enquirer podcast, a day after Illinois clinches its first share of the regular season Big Ten title since 2005. Think about what you were doing in 2005. It was a long time ago, but Illinois, that's why it meant so much. That's why there was a court storming as Illinois clinches its first share since 2005 with that win over Iowa. Exciting day in Champaign. and I asked Michael Tuop as a former Illini basketball player what that day was like for him to experience from his home uh, right now down in Nashville and to to watch Illinois claw back uh, against Iowa down 15 and for the defense to really just turn it on. He breaks down how Illinois won that game, what it means for them, Uh, Curbelo and Hawkins stepping up huge uh, in the second half for that one. And uh, then we look ahead to the postseason because it's here. After getting that championship, now you move on to the Big Ten tournament, of course, with eyes on the NCAA tournament after that. So great stuff coming up with Michael Tuop. And after we talk with Mike, we'll chat with Mike Kuhn about two different things. Uh, He works for VisitChampaignCounty.com. So we preview the IHSA Boys Basketball Tournament, which – after two and a half decades returns finally to champagne it delayed a year due to the pandemic but uh we talked to mike about what they've been gearing up for how it's going to be different than was in peoria and uh, how it'll be a special uh atmosphere and uh, event for champagne and for the entire state. And we also chat about uh, Illinois women's basketball because Mike Kuhn is the play-by-play uh, for the Illini radio network for Illinois women's basketball. He knew Nancy Fay very well for the last five years. And with the hall of Famer retiring after five disappointing seasons at Illinois with a 7 and 77 Big Ten record I asked Mike about what went wrong what didn't translate from her obviously great coaching career uh to the Big Ten from the Division three level and then we talk about what Illinois women's basketball needs uh in its next coach and, and Mike actually gives us one candidate that that he thinks would be interesting kind of a Uh, you know, maybe a script of what Illinois could follow or what they should go after and what he thinks the potential is for Illinois women's basketball and how Illinois can get there. So we got a lot to get to on this podcast, so let's get to it, shall we? Michael Tuop, Illini Inquirer basketball analyst, is up next on the Illini Inquirer podcast.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
0: All right, it's our favorite time of the week on the podcast. Michael Tulip, I can tell you your podcasts are the most popular podcasts of the week. So everyone is sitting there waiting for what you have to say about <laughs> Illinois clinching a share of a Big Ten regular season championship for the first time since 2005. Mike, what were you doing in 2005? In like eighth grade, ninth grade? Where were you at?
2: Oh, no, I was in fifth grade. Fifth grade. Um,. <laughs> fourth or fifth grade we had had actually just moved to naperville illinois um and i remember and and here's the thing i was not an illinois fan i i was born in atlanta we moved around a lot and i think maybe the that's the misconception is like i was this kid from illinois that always wanted to go to illinois and and i just i remember watching that team with d and darren and luther and james and, and roger and just enjoying it as a non-Illini fan just enjoy it just the way that they played and the joy that they played with and I think you just see a lot of similarities with that team and this team and and but yeah I was I think maybe 11 <laughs> yeah I would have been 11 yeah. I was 11 years old last time last time they won so it's been a, it's been a considerable amount of time
0: well I caught up with Chester Frazier afterwards because I was just like man it was like regular occurrence to so win a Big Ten championship when he committed here, signed here, and then it took 17 years for him to get that that title, so it's it's crazy when you think about how much life has changed or the world has changed or whatever uh, since Illinois has won a Big Ten championship, but uh, this doesn't feel fleeting. This doesn't feel like, obviously, with what the last three years have been, but, but take me through your day, Mike, as a, a former Illinois player watching... Illinois gets some breaks, right? Nebraska and Alonzo Verge beat Wisconsin. Iowa has a 15-point lead that it blows. Illinois had a lot to do with that, but it blows the lead and misses some key free throws down the stretch. Chris Murray, the shot looked pretty good, and it goes in and out. Like, What was that like for you to experience as a former Illini?
2: I think for anyone that has worn the orange and blue, and I'm speaking specifically just... For the players, I know obviously there's plenty of fans as well that have been lifelong fans. And, uh, but as a player, as someone who is in those locker rooms, you know, at Ubin for four years, there's some, some guys that are there for five years, like Trent and DeMonte, and uh, how much you pour into it, and there are never any guarantees, ever. And, and the teams that can figure out that that's the case, you know, we, we need to try to work with no guarantees. Look, when the confetti fell and that digital Big Ten Champs banner was going across right behind the Orange Crush, it, it's hard to describe. It, it really it felt like a dream. It really did. Um, to do it at the State Farm Center, to do it on senior night, honoring guys that have epitomized what this program is about. And what they've tried to build and like i said to have absolutely nothing guaranteed when you woke up yesterday morning you'd you there was no guarantee you were gonna have a shot at that and just because nebraska won that still doesn't mean that you are guaranteed the win against i like there's there's a lot of boxes that have to be checked and look i'll transition from from feeling that as a player to more of just the feeling yesterday morning but Build the Alonzo Verge statue, right? <laughs> I, I mean, you can, you saw the way that Nebraska was trending to where that looked like a tough game. Uh, I know you look at the standings, you see last team, last place team, first place team, but an emotional Tuesday night for Wisconsin, you celebrate. I, I'm assuming you have some beverage, whatever, like you you know you you celebrate the way that you do. The college college players
0: go out and have a beer, Mike? No. No.
2: <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not gonna speak for I'm not gonna speak for the Wisconsin locker room, but they
0: got a lot of beer in Wisconsin, I, a lot of good beer. I, yeah, Wisconsin. and I'm
2: sure they I'm sure they might have had a spotted cow or two. You know, like I, I think you know, but I'll say this. Every team, I don't care who you are, whatever title you win, especially in basketball, you need some help. it's just it doesn't matter. Look at any team that's won a national championship, and rarely is it you know, just some sort of, I, I don't know, like, yeah, you know, they just, they just went and did it, you mm-hmm. know, or there has to, you know, they did it all on their own. There, there has to be certain things that happen. I mean, look at Rutgers sitting there last night thinking, Oh, we need Illinois to win this for us to get a double bye." So Iowa needs to lose. I mean, there's, you could play that game for everyone across the, the conference. And then you mentioned Iowa in the second half the missed free throws someone, someone tweeted at me last night and said, uh, Iowa lost that game. Illinois didn't win it. I think it was an Illinois fan. Um,
0: <laughs> Can you imagine well, that being like your reaction after all yeah, that? By like, the way, like, after what just happened, after the last three years of finally getting this, yeah, we didn't win. We didn't deserve that.
2: <laughs> well, that's what I said. I, I, my response was, okay, never mind. Take, get everybody off the court. Court storming. Get it all. Get them off. Take the you know. Put the net back on. You know, like you need to have to find ways to win and iowa they missed free throws sure but part of that was the pressure that was applied by illinois i'm a firm believer is keegan murray going one for three if that's a tie game when he gets fouled i just don't think so and that's not to say that keegan murray isn't clutch or no but there's just a different type of pressure we can't all be Kyle Guy stepping up in the national semifinal, making all three to send it into overtime. Yeah. But there is. Like, that that's all basketball is, is just applying pressure in certain moments. And it's never – you look at percentages, and you can never play the percentages because every, you know, every game and every situation is different. Um, and I thought that that was a the story. They, they – there was nothing guaranteed yesterday morning. There wasn't. Uh, and there still wasn't anything guaranteed after the Nebraska game. And there still wasn't anything guaranteed after the first half. We know that. Uh, And they just kept swinging. They absorbed the blows. And it just really, it was a microcosm of what this team's done all season.
0: Yeah, Mike, you you tweeted out after the game, and I want to dive into the intricacies of the game, but you said it was all about culture. Like, this is the the definition of culture, which, which sometimes feels like a buzzword that we just throw around. Every coach says it at their introductory press conference, but... I said, uh, in our podcast with Joey and Derek, like this is a tough ass team. Like they, they have so much resolve, right? Like whether it's in these games where they get down and find a way to come back or just win a big 10 championship or everything they've gone through this season. Um, th- their coach, like they are a reflection of their coach. And we know Brad Underwood is a self, a proclaimed tough ass dude. Um, yeah. but, but that has permeated, uh, over the last three, four or five years.
2: You, you definitely take on the identity of, of your coach, of your staff. I mean, talk about the assistants as well. We know what Chester Frazier's about. We know what what, what Tim, Tim Anderson, Jeff Alexander, and I'll even take it a step further, you know, getting getting to know different guys on that staff and Tyler and Zach Hamer. I mean, these are all just – that's who they are. You know, that's just who they are. That's their identity. And, and it's one thing for the, the coaching staff to embody that, and it's the other thing – it's another thing for the – to have guys on on the floor that – truly embody that as well and I think the one thing you've noticed about this Illinois team, of course you know there's teams that go on runs on them like any other team and sometimes that happens in the in the middle of the game. rarely ever do you see this team when it's not cut in time wilt and I think that's 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 the big story here is the comeback against Ohio State, although they fell short, um, holding on at Michigan State, holding on last night I mean there's there's a certain resolve like you mentioned there's a certain mentality. That you need to have you know to just to have that steadiness right when everything's going crazy around you when you're on the road when you're at home uh you know i, I always say you're know, on the road you the the arena gets crazy and you kind of are forced to take that craziness and just kind of focus in and at home it's almost harder because when the arena gets the life taken out of it yeah. now you need to find ways to kind of generate your own energy and uh, you know, now you don't want to let down 16,000 people. And uh, they've done such a good, good job of managing that. And I think Trent and DeMonte, you know, it's fitting. Those seniors, they have a lot to do with that. They're kind of that stabilizing force in that locker room. Kofi mentioned it after the game, right? You know, right after Nebraska won. Hey, let's stay even keel. Because here is the reality of yesterday's game against Iowa. And it's really hard to do. And I know I'm speaking as someone who was not in a locker room when we wanted you know, to win a Big Ten championship. But being around basketball, those type of games, you have to find a way to understand what's on the line, but also find the balance between that and how can we treat this as any other game,
0: not be consumed by it,
2: and not let it consume you. I mean, that's the thing because there are players and there are. Teams that, in that moment, you can get crippled.
0: Right.
2: Yeah. Think about the culmination. Almost had it last year. And now we build our way up. All this stuff happens. You know, all of it's in a row. Nebraska wins. You know, and to be able to go out there and have that mental fortitude, getting down 15. Now, if you went up 20 early in the game and just coasted to a 18 point victory, then maybe this is a different conversation. But they got down and, and the way they closed out that first half we'll get into the nuts and bolts of it it, it, it says a lot about the staff it says a lot about the the players I mean it's you, you go on down the list there's there's a lot of things to be proud of you know if you're an Illini fan and, and especially for me as, as a former player just to watch that and be like damn yeah I went there I played there. yeah that's awesome
0: yeah it's uh it's a chest puffing time a little bit right <laughs> if you're, if you're sure. around that program um I I asked these to the players and they they didn't go too much into it. But you could tell by the celebration last year in the Big Ten tournament how validating that was after they felt they were wronged, right? But I, I feel like this one, to me from the outside, has to feel even more validating, Mike, because everything that was going against you with injuries and illnesses and all that. And you know, Wisconsin having this, Crazy season that they deserve, but also are a little bit fortunate to to win all these close games finally goes against them. You were, you know, a shot away from having a three-year run unlike any other in Illinois history and not having a Big Ten title to show for it. Like, I know you could sit there and point to that, but now you have this physical manifestation that's going up in the rafters that's going to be there forever. You're going to have 10, 20-year reunions about this team that you wouldn't if you didn't win a Big Ten title. How much validation is this, do you think, for Underwood, those seniors and, and all, everybody associated with that program?
2: Look, we've talked at length about how incredible this this turnaround has been. And, and look, every coach has a plan, right, in terms of I, I want to come in, I want to turn things around. But the next step, and I, I touched on it a little bit a couple minutes ago, you know, the next step is having players that that not only share that vision but hold each other accountable to it as well that's that's the next step and coach underwood and, and, and these seniors I'll say this when you win a conference title there's some serious reverberation there uh you know some serious reverberation where whether that's recruits uh you know and, I, and I'll say this underwood and these seniors they didn't need this validation.
0: yeah
1: they didn't.
2: they didn't need it like you know if, if it didn't shake out that doesn't mean that Trent Frazier and Demonte Williams are less of a player or less of a leader. It doesn't make Brett Underwood less of a coach. Right. Uh, but I, what I'll say is that they may not have needed the validation, but what this reaffirms is that having a solid foundation, having a true culture, and I know it's, it's buzzword city, but, and then, and then being able to focus and, and value those, those little things every single day, the validation. And it's, it's reaffirming that that works. That's what it is, and I'll get even more micro with it, Coleman Hawkins. You know, and and this goes for recruits. This goes for players that still have eligibility left. He wasn't playing much, and for good reason at the time. <laughs> right, right. You know, he like he just it didn't look good. You know, he wasn't confident, but he sticks with it. And 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 I think the other thing I'll, I'll take it a step further. He has a coach that expects a lot out of him and doesn't just throw him to the side and in the biggest moment when you have a conference championship on the line he delivers and and i think because of it's because of that backing and the the credence that that can give a coach when it comes to recruits and younger players uh, you know these guys truly seeing it and saying oh yeah no we trust that guy oh no that works you know, like, that goes so far. Like, this coach has our best interests in mind uh, as a team, first and foremost, but but for us as as players as well. And when you can have a team that buys into that, see what happens.
0: Yeah, we talk about how, like, Io is such a great tool for recruiting, right? Get you the NBA, right? You're, you're going to develop. You're going to do all those things. And Brad pushed him hard. Kofi's the same way. Like, Kofi can accept that hard coaching and loves it. He actually asked Brad for more of it. But Coleman who didn't have good body language, didn't perform well midway through the season, Bragg kept with him. And now he's seeing the fruits of, of sticking with it. When some guys we've talked about this before, Mike could have become a problem. Like it could have been a problem for the team. And it turns out a month later, Coleman Hawkins is a key and we'll, we'll talk about it, but a key to winning a big 10 championship and a huge key for the postseason moving forward. Um, uh, that, that's a heck of a sell to parents, right, to to recruit to, you know, some guys might have looked already towards the transfer portal if they're Coleman Hawkins in mid-January, mid-February, right? Like, uh, I, I think that says a lot about, yes, what we're doing is working, and if I stick with it, eventually we'll see the rewards, even if I'm not seeing it right now.
2: For sure. And and I look at RJ Melendez, Pachiemski, Goody. I mean, what this does – is just show them and it's something where they know, Hey, I got to keep busting my tail because it's been proven that if you aren't performing, you're sitting. And you know what, that's what ends up kind of propelling your program. You obviously need the players in there, but the competitive aspect of it, of, you know, Hey, I need to perform at a high level to get on the court. And if somebody behind me is performing at a higher level, they are going to play. Um, And I have to be okay with that. Uh, And part of the reason, part of what makes guys okay with that, so to speak, if it does happen, is because they see that this can be the reward at times. You know, if you do play your cards right and do it the right way, and I I heard Coleman on radio last night, you know, this... uh, He wasn't sitting there just going like, oh yeah, no, I'm sitting, uh, this is totally cool, I'll work my way back in. It bothered him. Yeah, Right? Like, it bothered him. And as it should. I think anybody that's a competitor, that should bother you. And I think being able to Take that energy, and all that bothers you and and placing it into the positive things, and I think that, that's what like, he deserves credit
0: for, like you can get pissed off, right? like it's good if you get pissed off, but you got to channel it the right way, and he seemed to channel it the right way eventually. so a uh, uh, kudos to him. All right let's talk about this actual game, Mike um Iowa goes twelve straight possessions with a field goal. They were pushing the tempo, they were attacking Illinois. And they get down, Illinois gets down 43 to 28. But then the rest of the game, Mike, Iowa makes 10 of 34 field goals. 10 of their last 34. What changed defensively for Illinois?
2: Yeah, there were just some miscues in that first half. And, and part of it was adjusting to the fact that Kofi Coburn wasn't by the basket. Uh, you know, they played different lineups. Even even when Rebraca was out there, he was, he was on the perimeter setting screens. They don't post him traditionally. So it's a little bit different for Kofi. You know, so he's getting used to how do I play these gaps? How do I I'm being on help side? If I'm the low man, am I the one rotating? You know, and it was 1919. And that's when the avalanche started, Mm -hmm. right? You know, Keegan Murray gets downhill with his right hand uh on Coleman Hawkins. Uh RJ Melendez helps uphill. Chris Murray gets a dunk. Uh Keegan Murray roots Coleman Hawkins up, they throw it over the top for a dunk. Uh, Plummer gets labeled on a screen for Sanford pull-up. DeMonte goes under the screen on a Sanford three. Curbelo goes under a screen on a Perkins three. You know, there were a lot of mistakes that were made. This wasn't just shots going in for Iowa. It was was Illinois having some pretty self-inflicted wounds. But here's the other thing, too. I'm a big believer in law of averages, but you got to help yourself a little bit. The law of averages aren't going to work in your favor if you keep giving up layups and dunks. And, And that's really what was happening. You know, Trent, Trent got beat on a back screen that may or may not have been called out. And that's when he kind of jumped over Perkins and could have been an one there uh, with Kofi being close to the circle. But there were a lot of things that happened that were changed and why, and why the, the, the script was flipped. And a couple of those were during that those 12 straight possessions of scoring twice, Kofi went for blocks and didn't get him. And there were putbacks. Which twice. is
0: one of my least favorite things.
2: <laughs> and, and, and then twice in their run to close out the half, he went over to explode to jump on one, and he didn't. And he immediately went back and blocked out Rebacca. Rab- he blocked out Chris Murray. And to me, that, that ended up being the difference. It was super minuscule, but it wasn't what he did. It's what he didn't do uh, that ended up helping them and saving a few possessions. Because if he goes for that block, Coleman Hawkins was in a position where he would have had two guys to block out Keegan Murray and Rebecca or, and Chris Murray. So those little things, right. And then you, you, you start to become a little more disciplined, you start to become a little more solid. And then the other thing too, Jeremy, you start making some shots. Like that's, you know, that's the, let's, let's, I can get into the defensive miscues and this and that, but there's a different type of feeling for the other team when you are making shots and they don't just feel like the wind's at their back. I mean, that, that was the difference. I think you put them on their heels at the end of the first half and you close that gap just enough. And, and I said it, like I, I tweeted out last night, taking advantage of those non-Murray front court combo minutes that typically come at like the 15, 14 minute mark, that first five minutes, if you can shave into that lead, and they did, they took the lead. They're at 47, 46 before they inserted that lineup when they entered that lineup they went on another like 8-0 yeah. run and if if you don't chip into that lead to start the second half and you're still down seven now that eight zero 0 run pushes to 15 and i'm not sure you're coming back i'm not sure you can you can mount another comeback there so those those 10 minutes last five of the first half first five of the second half was kind of ended up being the game
0: Coleman Hawkins, let's give him some more love because I thought this was his best game in an Illini uniform. Nine points, came up with some big buckets in the second half. The three, uh, the runner, uh, that kind of uh, built Illinois that lead there. But defensively, Mike, uh, ten rebounds on the defensive side, and our guy Isaac Trotter put together the numbers, went back and watched the film. When Coleman was on Keegan Murray, he was two of 13 shooting for six points. I, what a defensive performance we've seen it against Ron Harper this year early in the year and then we kind of saw him disappear and maybe not focus as much on that end but if a light bulb went on with Coleman Hawkins saying like oh this is how I make my huge impact this is how I eventually score more points because I'll be on the, the four more this is how I'm going to make my way to the NBA is because his defensive potential is through the roof and I, how much does he change Illinois if, if he's playing this way
2: a lot. He changes them. He changes this team a lot just from the standpoint of your versatility, both offensively and defensively. We talked about the, the five out lineup that you can play where you, you bring him out to the perimeter, opens up driving lanes. Uh, but defensively, yeah, I think more than it's defensively more than offensively because he's capable of emergency switching onto guards and being serviceable. And then what he did on Keegan Murray last night and it's not about just it's not about ripping the ball from the guy it's not it just make it difficult force tougher shots and, and that's that's really what he did and it was such a shame i mentioned the kofi futile attempts at at the blocks coleman had a really good possession that forced keegan murray into a little left hand floater that air over the top over like off the top of the backboard almost and kofi jumped up and just like swung his arm to try to block it, it probably wasn't within seven feet of it and then Rebecca just gets a layup and that's when you're like, man, like I wish Coleman would get rewarded for that. But look, he, you know, the different look he gives defensively and it's not just blocking shots. It's altering shots. It's, you know, it, it's the way he's willing to stick his nose in there for defensive rebounds. Kofi's typically, you know, Kofi can go, can hit and get sometimes, but he, he's wrestling down there with some bigger guys. And, you know, you play in the, in the tournament and that's Hunter Dickinson and that's Trace Jackson Davis potentially. And, uh, and then Iowa again, you know, it's – you're going to need to to have a guy like that. And look, there were moments I think – I thought they missed Jacob Granison last night. Yeah. I'll say that. But but the what Coleman Hawkins can offer is just a little bit of a different look, and, and it gives Illinois a little bit more breathing room to have a little bit more size, have a little more length. And look, if, for a lot of teams, for as much as Jacob Granison does for this team – Having a guy like Coleman Hawkins that you're like, oh, we have Jacob Grandison out. Who are we going to start? Oh, yeah, it's this guy that goes through like 9 and 11 and makes mm-hmm. arguably the biggest impact of anybody in the game. That just uh, it speaks to this depth. And, and if you don't have a guy like that, who do you turn to last night? I, and I think RJ Melendez and, and Luke Goody are certainly serviceable, but are they offering the impact in this moment? Maybe down the road they do, but in that moment, in that game, I'm just... I'm not sure you pull that game out without Coleman Hawkins, period.
0: Agreed. I also don't think, even though it's a roller coaster ride, you don't pull that game out without Andre Corbello. At one point, I think to end the game, he had a a hand in 15 of the last 20 points Illinois scored. Um, And and I know that the the turnovers drive you mad sometimes, but offensively, he just gives you another weapon. Especially Trent struggled offensively, at least as a scorer last night. And Andre Curbelo gives you 14 points off the bench. Not the most efficient, but gave you some huge buckets and also six assists. But defensively, uh, Alfonso Plummer was getting cooked again. And you bring in Curbelo and, and you needed stops late in the game. And, and Curbelo was was huge on that. And I know he gave up the and one, Mike. But I don't know if you're ever going to get the consistency. I don't know if you're ever going to get rid of the maddening plays. But he's, he's just a, an X factor that... He could be the difference in, in a win here in March.
2: Well, you mentioned the N1, and I'm glad you mentioned it because it was, it was one of the points that I was going to make. I, I hope people understand how that N1 happened and why that N1 happened. And for anyone that wants to get Andre Curbelo off the floor, the opposing coach wanted him off the floor. If that tells you the, the value that he has. And, and when the ball is in his hands, I get it can be a roller coaster, but they designed a four high clear it out and put Andre Curbelo on an island for the hope of a hand check to get him out of the game now if that was a guy if he was this player that some Illinois fans describe him as yeah. Fred McCaffrey's probably hoping he stays on the floor right he drew it up to get him off the floor and and, and that's exactly what happened but look I understand the roller coaster it was bad when he first checked in mm-hmm. it was bad a couple of four shots you know the the underhand like granny Alley hoop that went off the backboard obviously wasn't a good look. But I'll say this in the second half, he was just about the only guy at one point that I thought looked like he was willing to take a swing. And, and as much as the, the turnovers can drive you crazy, I will take a guy any day that wants to take the swing, you know, and, 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 and he does that. Like, look, sometimes all you need is just that five minute bellowspurt and that's what it was in the second half like he took over that game he you know getting to the basket getting to the rim and then the the throwback to coleman for the three like he made a lot of really really good plays in this game i thought the charge call was horrible i i know we've been on official officials lately i thought chris murray was leaning um that's a really tough call to make and that's not only that's not only a foul that's a turnover on andre corbello as well so look you mentioned the defense it's elite and there uh, there were some cheap fouls and but he bothers guards he, he bothered those guards and alfonso Plummer. i mentioned the 8-0 run that iowa had he tries to swim across and and lunge at the ball misses keegan murray and one okay he turns his back on his man when the ball is being dribbled by him kick out chris murray three and then, he, and then he doesn't put a body on Tony Perkins, and that's a putback. And and I get it. He also hits a three to make it 57-52. But at some point, against the number four offense in the country, you need stops. Mm-hmm. And you got enough offense, especially when you have guys – I know Trent wasn't on, but you had enough there for the defense to kind of outweigh the offense in terms of what you needed in that moment. And, and what you need in that moment was a guy like Andre Corbello who moves his feet – arguably better like Trent's really good at the angles like there's you could argue that Andre moves his feet better than anybody on that team and you know gets through screens maybe not as good as Trent but, but pretty close when, he, when he's up to it uh, and he's been up to it these past couple of games he's been fantastic and that's that's where you see the 22 minutes reflected is more on that end than the offensive end and I thought he still packed a pretty good punch there in the second half for the most part offensively
0: yeah I don't marry myself to the plus minus but it seemed to tell the tale of of Curbelo and, and Plummer the other night it was plus six for Curbello, minus seven for Plummer and and we know Plummer's is a great piece to have like when you need a when you need to spark a run offensively man you get that guy the ball but other teams also attack him, so it's great, again, that have the depth where you can bring in a guy like Curbelo last night when you need stops and to do that plus get some offense out of him. Th- those sophomores, Mike, are, are just complete X-factors, right? You pretty much know what you're getting out of Kofi and Trent. I know points can fluctuate. You know what you're getting out of those guys. You know what you're getting out of Demonte, but Hawkins and Curbello, like those guys, if they're good, People might want to buy stock in Illinois, right? It's just you don't know what you're going to get every night out of those guys.
2: You don't. And part of that's just the maturation process of, you know, there, there, there's an, you can make an argument in sophomore year, you didn't really know what you're going to get out of Trent. You oh, know, yeah. and and I get it in different ways, but I do think that if you can return part of this core of Curbelo, Hawkins, Kofi, maybe, you know, who knows? Like that's that's a hell of a starting point there. You know, and then you, you mentioned the recruits, you mentioned the, the potential progression of a of, uh, Pajemsky, Goody, Melendez, and, and then you, you take a few swings and, and address some needs in the transfer portal. I think you're going to need to address some shooting. Yeah. There's no question about that. So, anyone that's, that's a guy that can shoot it like Alfonso Plummer, which is, <laughs> I'm not sure another guy's going to roll around like that, but, you know, someone who's, who's a player like that that even adds a little bit more defensively. I mean, uh, you see what Plumber's done for himself this year. I mean, we—I wouldn't be surprised to see him somehow sneak out into an All Big Ten team. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, I—I—I I, I don't think that's out of the question. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I, I think those two guys, the sophomores in particular, you saw—you saw Coleman Hawkins make a pretty significant jump. Um, and and for Goody and Melendez and Pajemski, if you can get something similar to that, you're cooking, man. Yeah
0: um Melendez and Goody both hit big threes I thought Goody was good on the glass um if Jacob Grandison's out for a little bit Mike I mean he's in a sling I don't know how long he'll be out uh Underwood said day to day but obviously doesn't look good when that happens Wh- what do you need out of those guys is-, is it just a made shot and some energy on the glasses is- what are you looking for out of those guys to kind of fill some minutes while Coleman and Inkerbell kind of play bigger roles
2: yeah look you don't need much um And when i say you don't mean much i'm not not saying they just go out there and be ball movers and pass it around and take a back seat play with the amount of confidence that they've been playing with absolutely that's first and foremost when you're open step up knock it down uh but the other thing that i'll mention is you got guys on this team scoring that's taken care of for the most part that's taken care of defensively you got some good defenders on this team you know so so you can't come in and be a letdown uh you know i thought melendez that huge charge in the second half against keegan murray but in the first half he helped uphill and there was a chris murray dunk uh so you know certain things like that you know where you can just continue to just hey let's push the envelope let's how consistent can we be can we strive for that perfect game it may not happen but you know uh, the obligatory goody three in the first half that we tend to get every now and then uh just being shot ready like he always is and uh but you know, whatever they offer to this team, if it's not done with confidence, it's not done right. You know, I, I think that's that's really the story for these guys. Is don't care what you're doing as long as you're confident doing it and you're and you're playing hard and you're playing the right way. That should be the three things that you focus on. Uh, it's, it's it might not always show up in the stat sheet, but man, their contributions last night. I thought Goody was Goody was solid. He walled off Keegan at one point to force a tough shot. You know, he, he hit that big three in the first half. You know, Melendez, I just mentioned what what he added. That's a big three that he hit too. I mean, I believe it was sixty-one fifty-four before we hit that one and make it sixty-one fifty-seven. That's big, man. It was a great pass from Andre Corbello, too. You know, you're gonna need contributions from everybody. Um and I think that's that's always the story in March.
0: Mike, I'm I'm just kind of reflecting on this this week. We came in with Illinois having a chance to to be a five seed in the Big Ten tournament and play on <laughs> Thursday. And now they're the one seed. And they get a share of the Big Ten title in a year that the other favorites, Purdue, finishes a disappointing third, uh, 13 and 13-7. Michigan finishes tied for seventh, right? And, and then Rutgers and Iowa kind of come out of nowhere to to tie for fourth in this league. And Wisconsin comes out of nowhere. Not out of nowhere because it's Wisconsin, but surprises everybody to get a share of the title. W- what a crazy regular season this was for the Big Ten. And they currently have no top ten teams, they have or I guess uh, Purdue's number nine, but uh, I don't know if they deserve to be nine, but you have only four teams in the top twenty five. But it's crazy that it feels like ten through one, there's not much separation in this league right now. It's, and I remember, you know Illinois, oh four oh five, obviously, those are great teams, but the bottom half of that league was not close to the top four of that league. Now it's just I know the bottom three, four might not be, but, it's, it's crazy how similar, how close all these teams are. And they, it seems like every one of them has a star and a, and a pretty good coach.
2: That's the point you just made, that, that last point. I think what, what, why that gap between one through 10 doesn't feel so big is because of the star power. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, It's something that I, I, I just don't think we've seen in the league. And part of that's going to be reflected by potentially three first-team All-Americans uh, from the same conference. That just doesn't happen often. And college basketball is one of those games where, and one of those sports where, you know, if you got a guy, you're in it, uh, you're in it. You know, as, as long as as long as long the rest of the team, like Wisconsin does, where they fill in their roles and they know who they are, you know, you, you got a chance, you got a fighter's chance in, in basically every game. I think I think Michigan started to figure that out. You know, not that coming into the year, they didn't know that Hunter Dickinson was their guy, but now knowing, and I, I, I get they just won in Columbus without him, but knowing, hey, Hunter's our guy, And then Devontae Jones is a little more comfortable in his role, you know, instead of these freshmen who come in, oh, I'm a top 10 pick, I'm a first rounder. That's kind of subsided into just, hey, this is my role. And that's what makes the team more dangerous. That's what makes that eight, nine matchup. You got Trace Jackson Davis, Hunter Dickinson, uh, even going down, you know, the non-double buys. You got Keegan Murray, uh, you know, and then with the the teams that do have a double buy, you have a lot of star power within that as well. so that's I think that's the reason why you see that parody in a sense and and we always made the the joke, I guess the joke when we were in the locker room, and I think those guys probably still use it. It's just life in the big ten night in and night out yeah it's you don't really know what you're gonna get and I think it was pretty much on display yesterday we're all the way down to the final game in the big ten you just you didn't know how things were gonna shake up and then now hitting in the big Ten tournament, you and I were just sharing the Ken palm yeah. analytics top two the top two uh picked uh not really picked but top two percentages to win the final is Purdue and Iowa the two teams that did not share the Big Ten tournament so uh it's it's gonna be a lot of fun uh to you know I always enjoy this week I love the NCAA tournament obviously but championship week is is something that is is right up there and uh it's gonna be interesting man I mean you got you're gonna probably have another Purdue Wisconsin matchup likely I don't I don't know I mean there's there's a lot of things that can happen but um it's a pretty—I don't want to say favorable. I, I hate using the word favorable, but for Illinois, I mean, it worked out pretty well for you if you want a chance to to go to the championship.
0: Yeah, so I want to ask you about that. Um, Michigan, which I think Illinois—if you're if you're rooting for your resume—you probably want Michigan to win because if they beat Indiana, they'll probably be in the top thirty of the net, which means that's a quad one victory at home uh, or uh, definitely on the road uh, and and on, at home, and then Indiana. I mean they're playing for their NCAA tournament lives. I think you match up really well against Indiana, right? Like you kind of had their number. But what what do you think of either one of those matchups on Friday that you'd have in the one versus eight or nine?
2: Yeah, you know, it's a it's a win and it's a win and maybe get in for Indiana. Um Michigan, I think I I do believe that even if Michigan loses that game they're in. I agree. Um there's just been so much Losing for bubble teams. The bubble's uh, so bad. The, oh yeah, it, I mean it, it's. There's only a year in and year out. There's maybe five, six teams that are right there on that bubble. It's like two or three this year that that really have a chance, or, or the teams that are out really outside that are like next four out. They're going to need a lot to happen, um, you know, in order for them to to sneak in. But look, I think I think if you're looking at matchups, I just think this Michigan team has a really hard time defending the Illinois team. Uh, I actually like that matchup better than Indiana because I do think Indiana guards um, they bog it down uh, You know, they're, they're a team that wants it in the 50s and 60s and not to say that Illinois can't play that type of game, they certainly can and they've shown that they can win those type of games uh, you know, I, I don't think there's, there's between Indiana and Michigan, I just don't think there's one that you can definitively pick and say, oh no, this is the team that, that we want to play, I think both present different challenges, both have all league big men and Hunter Dickinson's kind of proven to be just about as, you know, valuable to his team as anybody in the country. And, um, you know, and and Trace Jackson Davis, I'm sure is still looking for, you know, looking for a chance to go and compete. And, uh, look, I, is Rutgers. I I know Rutgers would probably be the one that that gets the shot at Iowa. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a bad matchup for Iowa.
0: That's gonna be a great game. I, I can't yeah. wait for it. I hope Iowa definitely wins on, on Thursday because I, I think that sets up to be a great game. And listen, both those teams can can have matchup problems for Illinois, but Rutgers doesn't feel like the same team from a month ago when Illinois went into the rack, and they're not in the rack, which which to me seems like it matters a lot. Big distinction. <laughs> not not in Piscataway. you
2: know. But but I did I did witness that Rutgers team. Mm-hmm you know, as stout as they are in the rack, I mean, you can't look away from 44 points that they gave up to Iowa. Like, that is something. Uh, you know, and I think it speaks to their versatility defensively for how good Iowa is. You know, they can go, they can play a little small uh, against Iowa, and I think that's the reason why out of everybody probably in the Big Ten, Rutgers is probably the worst matchup for Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the bodies and the length that they can put on them. And
0: Man, you I, know, I, I love friday of the big 10 tournament like the eight games you get or the four games you get there with usually yep. the eight best teams that's as good as it gets it's one of my favorite days to cover so if you get two session tickets back to back i would suggest friday of the big 10 tournament
2: it's always one of my most unproductive days of work <laughs> that's for sure um basically tell my boss hey yeah i'm working yeah uh i got the computer in front of me but I, I'm, I'm tuned into to these games that are going on. It's going to be fun, man. Yeah, you could have uh, Ohio state,
0: Purdue, Wisconsin, Michigan state, or maybe Maryland uh, beats Michigan state. Cause fats is playing really well uh, towards the end of this year, but uh, it's, it's one of the best days. What, I mean, obviously last year, Illinois came in with a huge chip on its shoulder. What do you want to see, Mike? I mean, obviously you want a big 10 championship, but what do you want to see out of this team this week? I think you just, you know, I, I think you
2: just want to see good basketball. Um, Whether that results in a Big Ten tournament championship, to me is I don't I don't want to use the word irrelevant, um, but there is something to be said about you know. There's bigger stuff ahead, right? Yeah, you lose a heartbreaker in the semi, like you know, then you rest up, you recharge, and, and you try to go after this Final Four, which I think is is like Underwood said that's that's the real goal here. Now, you know, it's it's easier said than done. I know for a fact that's not the mentality in that locker room. They're not here over here saying like, all right, you know, let's, let's bow out in the semis, right. you know, they're, cause look, it's Iowa. It's, it's, it's potentially Iowa again. It's potentially Rutgers again. And, you know, there's something to be said about that, you know, going and, and getting another win there and uh, you know, maybe hopping up to, to the two seed, uh, which that'd be maybe if you ran the table, um, but certainly solidifying yourself as a three. Yep. Uh, and the reason why that's important to solidify yourself as a three instead of a four is that it takes away a, a potential sweet 16 matchup with a one seat.
0: Absolutely. Well, Mike, we're going to do a film room of uh, some defensive stuff later in the week, but uh, great stuff as always. And now we get postseason basketball once again and uh, big 10 tournament's always fun. One of my favorite events to cover. And then right after that, that's where uh, Illinois it's next checklist item, right? Cause you got the big 10 tournament last year. You get the big 10 championship, the next thing to exercise is that NCAA tournament. So looking forward to talking about it with you, man. Appreciate it, man.
2: Looking forward to it as well.
0: Great stuff as always from Mike. He'll hang out with us throughout the rest of the postseason, of course, uh, to break down Illinois men's basketball. We always appreciate him. And, and later on in the week, we'll have a VIP film room of that Iowa win, breaking down a lot of the defensive issues in the first half and then how Illinois uh, turned things around in the second half. Guys like Kofi Coburn, Coleman Hawkins, and Andre Curbelo playing a big, big role in that. When we come back, let's talk about the IHSA Boys Basketball Tournament returning to Illinois, as well as a coaching change for Illini women's basketball, a long-struggling program. What do they need to do to turn things around and finally get a solid foundation once again? Mike Kuhn from VisitChampaignCounty.com, also the Illini women's basketball play-by-play announcer. He joins us next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Everybody get 30 30 get 30 GB get 20 20 20 get 20 20 get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So,
2: Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. Forty five dollars upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Happy to have on a familiar voice to a lot of people, Mike Kuhn. He's the director of sports events and film for Visit Champaign County and uh, also the play-by-play for Illini women's basketball on the Illini Radio Network. You've probably heard his voice at State Farm Center as well. Well, Mike, we've got a lot to talk about, but let's start with the IHSA Boys Basketball Tournament returning to Champagne, This has been decades, years in the making of bringing this back to Champagne. I know you guys have visit Champaign County are so pumped to bring it back. Uh, sadly, had to wait an extra year, but uh, after all this wait, w- what's an extra year, I guess? But it's finally here. So w- what's going into this week for you guys?
1: Well, there's a lot of elements, and obviously uh, when Jane DeLuce, our executive producer or executive director took on this role. That's the first thing she heard is that we got to get the state tournament back. So we are ecstatic to bring it back. Uh, What we've tried to do is try to put other elements into hosting that makes it special for the, uh, the teams, the schools, the fans. And so we've added that we've got a kid zone. We have a tech zone where there's a college fair up at the upper concourse. Uh, We're fortunate this year, This is the 50th anniversary of the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association. So there's a real extensive, I think a really nice uh, display that they will have on the upper concourse. Um, And, you know, beyond that, it's it's logistics. Uh, I have been uh, uh, coordinating the hotels. So we are assigning hotels, which is much different than Peoria, where they were able to uh, have everybody housed at one hotel. So I've been working with teams uh, we have uh, 16 different community hosts, so they'll have a host uh, from champaign Urbana or the area that will help, uh, you know, guide them through all their stay uh, beyond the logistics of, uh, you know, playing the game at State Farm Center. So there's a lot of things behind the scenes. Uh, we're we're ex- we're excited about it, but uh, you know, this is uh, it's been a busy time leading up to it for sure.
0: So, so mike i know the ihsa has set up the bracket the way it's going to be uh so if people have you know problems probably with the friday saturday format of this with the consolation on one day they can take that to the ihsa but right. what what are you guys hoping because peoria obviously did a really good job hosting uh attendance went down here in recent years but they had that march madness experience that was kind of their calling card what do you guys hope to be the calling card for, for having it back in Champagne?
1: Well, we mentioned a few of the other elements, uh, you know, I think the venue itself uh, State Farm Center. Uh, we bid on uh, this event while the State Farm Center was under renovation and they had to kind of imagine what that's going to look like. I know that uh, now that it's uh, it's done and, uh, you know, the event the venue is certainly a calling. Uh, I think a lot of people are excited to come back to the U of I come back to uh, the you know place where the Illini play they'll they'll have they'll have access to their locker rooms so it's um, you know behind the scenes just the same locker rooms that the Illini dress in Uh, Tim Sinclair is doing most of the game so the voice the PA voice so we'll have all that and uh, we see this as this is just like you would see on game day so there'll be the pyrotechnics, the introductions, the video—all uh, the elements that go into putting on the Illinois basketball uh, game day experience—they'll experience in Champaign. And so, uh, you know, beyond that, we have suites. And so, <clears throat> the uh, our corporate sponsors have had, you know, first right of refusal. I think all the the suites are uh, spoken for. So, you know, that's uh, that's exciting as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, could have some big-time talent there, obviously, uh, especially in 4A. Kenwood is still involved. Nick Martinelli, Glenbrook Grim, South, is one of the best players. Uh, Glenbard West is loaded. Lamont has an Illini target. Uh, no just Jaden Shute, a Duke recruit, could be there. We'll see who's yeah. there after uh, the super sectionals here. But uh, And, of course, your, your Monticello Sages uh, have a chance to be there in, in 2A, Mike.
1: Yeah, I'll be there tonight, uh, 6 p.m. in Springfield. It's been an exciting run. I mean, we kind of saw at the beginning of the year that this was possible. They started 15-0. Uh, they played a tough schedule. Uh, they played uh, – in fact, they had three losses on the year. the 31 31-3, and uh, they avenged one of those losses in the regional final in an overtime game against Prairie Central. And then their other two losses, uh, Meridian – who hit this, they, they hit the 60-foot shot to beat Tuscola. Uh, they're still alive. And then Tutopolis is still alive in this yeah. super sectional. So it's a, it's a good team. Uh, you know, they uh, play Bloomington Central Catholic tonight in Springfield, a team that they've beaten before, but uh, a team that uh, they've had uh, a lot of really, really good games over the past few years.
0: Well, Mike, before I switch over to Illinois women's basketball and get your insight there, uh, for, for people who want to go out to this, that aren't going to the Big Ten tournament uh, to, to watch the Illini, uh, what, what, would, what advice would you give them? What do they need to know getting to the State Farm Center?
1: Well, the the, the rules, the same rules apply in terms of you know clear bag policy and all that. Uh, you, know, you can get tickets through fightingillini.com. They're going through uh, our ticket uh, uh, center. So you can go to fightingillini.com under tickets the state tournament so get your tickets in advance uh you know parking will be the same uh you know it's a, it's going to be an exciting week i think the thing that that uh the ihsa not only are we coming back to Champaign, but this is the first time since they went to two classes that the entire tournament has been on one weekend mm-hmm. and we're really excited for saturday they've set it up as championship saturday so all four championship games are all on one day and that's never happened before so you know, if you can't come over on the the two weekdays, you know, definitely make it out for Saturday because being able to come over and see all four championship games in one day has never been done before.
0: Well, Mike, you're the play-by-play uh, you know, on for Illinois Women's Basketball for the Illinois Radio Network, and I know I had great interactions with Nancy Fay in her five years. I know you work closely with her for five years and have nothing but good things to say. But obviously the results didn't come uh, for, for a hall of fame coach who obviously knows what she's doing is, is an ex's coach. So why do you think uh, that didn't translate the D three unbelievable success did not translate to the big Ten level?
1: Well, as you know, it all comes down to recruiting um, and she happened to come in at a time where I think the big 10 has experienced unprecedented success. They haven't had a final four team in this run, But uh, I think they'll have five teams this year that will host uh, first and second rounds, which means they're top 16 seeds. Uh, And they've had an inability, I think, to uh, recruit a real strong five. Um, They thought, I think they had real hopes on Mackenzie Blazik, who was uh, from Franklin, Indiana, that had all all kinds of health um, issues and uh, just didn't pan out. And you know, beyond that, if you look at look the two teams that played in the, in the big 10 championship game on Sunday, um, you had Monica Sinano from Iowa. You had McKenzie Holmes from Indiana, two big posts. And we just have not been able to, for whatever reason, to be able to recruit those posts. Uh, I think we've got some, some up and coming really good guards. I think Kendall Bostic is a nice player. We've got some nuclear, a nucleus, Going forward, but um, you know the recruiting—if you compare the recruits to other teams uh, in the Big Ten, especially—they uh, just didn't match up. And I, and I, Coach Faye has said time and again, I haven't forgot how to coach. I think she's a great coach, um, but uh, as you said, uh, the results didn't pan out.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, Illinois has tried, you know, Jolette Law, the hot shot assistant from Rutgers under C. Vivian Stringer, right? One of the greatest of all time. The mid-major star in Matt Bolan, who I thought was a slam dunk hire, got some recruits early on, but just couldn't sustain it. And we know some of the off-court issues or, uh, that, that seem to be happening there. And then you have the D3 Hall of Famer, Nancy Fay. Uh, what do you think this program needs right now, Mike? Uh, and what is a different era of women's college basketball, feels like?
1: There's no doubt, uh, and uh, I've mentioned before that you look uh, in the NIL era, and certainly social media and social media followers is going to play a big part going forward. Uh, girls basketball players have um, they have the, the social media following. In fact, if you look at last year, the the largest follower of any college basketball player was Paige Becker's at UConn, a women's player, um, and so. Um, you know, I think it's that, that compared to five years ago is going to play a a part in this higher. You know, I always um, my analogy and trying to get over the hump because certainly other teams in the big 10 have done it. Indiana had no success in women's basketball. They were among the bottom and they've been able to raise up to the top. Michigan has not never won a big 10 championship and they've been kind of mired in the middle of the pack. Um, And they've risen to be a top 10 program. So it can be done at Illinois I think what needs to happen is I my analogy is imagine going up uh, an inclined driveway with ice. You have to you have to gun it to get up the driveway. And so I think what happens in the first two years, you have the transfer portal. I think whoever comes in has got to have some connections to the transfer portal and get some some real strong players in, and, you know perhaps players that they had on, on their roster, say they're an assistant or some other contacts that they have to get the thing jump started. Yeah. Um, I think that we have a nucleus of players. You look at our five starters, there are two freshmen and three sophomores that I think could all play a role, but I think it's going to take somebody that can come in and really uh, hit the ground running and, and, and make an immediate impact over the first couple of years and then back that up with, uh, uh, with recruits from high school, because um, you know, if you don't do that, if you don't have success recruiting the first couple of years, it's, it's it's awfully tough to get it turned around.
0: Yeah, I want to ask you, Mike, to to be able to have some success, like say a, a Brad Underwood. Uh, you got to inherit some players, and he he didn't inherit a lot, but you got to turn some of those players and recruits you got uh, in, into impact players like Trent Frazier, Demonte Williams, and such. So Lee and I, right, uh, Jada Peebles uh, has, has scored a, a lot here and. And you have Camille Jackson coming in, a really top-ranked recruit. Um, McKenzie was a really good freshman for them this year, one of their top scorers. So what does the next coach have?
1: Well, the cupboard is not bare, and I know that the results didn't uh, pan out this year. The thing that I think fans can't really appreciate this year, we had two COVID pauses, uh, so we went two weeks between games. Uh, we would, I think 10 days the first time, 10 uh, – and then, well, it was more than that because we had the Christmas break in there. So not only did, uh, w- did we not play games, they didn't have a full roster for practices. And so, you know, what would have happened had we not had those COVID pauses? You're trying to develop a young team. I think certainly the results would have been different. But uh, they played two really strong games, I think, at the Big Ten Tournament. I know we lost by 18 to Nebraska, but they made 15 three-pointers in that game. And, uh, you know, hats off to them for doing that. But uh, Delia McKenzie had a great uh, Big Ten Tournament. I think people have a, an appreciation of what she can bring to the table. And Jada uh, – Jayla, Oden – uh, who had some health issues early in the year is starting to come on as well. So I think our backcourt with Ali and I is in pretty good shape. We, you know, we just need to really improve the, the front court Erica Porter played pretty well in the in the Big Ten tournament, and Kendall Bostic led the Big Ten in rebounding. But uh, you know, as I mentioned at the top, to get to succeed, especially in the Big Ten and probably nationally, you need a real strong post to anchor that and uh, that's that's gonna be important uh, going forward.
0: Mike, I don't know if you're in your role you, you, you have names in mind that you're willing to throw out there, but if you do, go ahead. But what <laughs> what do you think what do you think um this this program's capable of? Like, what, what do you think Illinois women's basketball, which hasn't made an NCAA tournament since uh, two thousand three, right? Like, what do you think they are capable of in, in a five year span here?
1: Well, I mean, you know, they, if you look at the, the high schools in Illinois, and I've said this to many people, that there are more quality high school girls players in this state than there are boys players. I mean, certainly there's, there's some talent on the boys side as well. Uh, it's going to take somebody to, to say or, to, or a couple of to say, we're going to stay home. And, you know, similar to what Io did on the men's side. Is there a player out there that can say we're gonna we're gonna start this and we're gonna build it and we're gonna win? And you know, at the at the end of Iowa, stay here. You know, the team was back in the NCAA tournament, and so it's going to take a few of those uh, to make inroads in the state. Now, in the meantime, those players are going to Iowa and Michigan and and uh, Notre Dame and such. Um, you have to have a, a connection somewhere, um, and so you know, one of the one of the uh, People that I would have my eye on would be uh, Kelly Bond, who is the, uh, she's an associate head coach at Texas A&M. She played for Teresa Grintz. Uh, She was on two Sweet 16 teams. She was from Chicago, Whitney Young. So she has the Chicago connection. Uh, She's on a staff that's won a national championship at Texas A&M. Dynamic, uh, I think she would be really good with the public. So that's just one name to kind of throw out there. Uh, but you know, somebody of her ilk that um, can not only um, re-energize re-ener- uh, the recruiting, but re-energize the fan base. Uh, I think the Illini, uh, there, there's the potential there from a fan base standpoint uh, to to really start to to grow the the crowds at State Farm Center. I mean, you look at the crowds that have happened, and, and I mentioned the two programs are in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, I was sold out their last game. They were playing for a Big Ten championship uh, against Michigan. Carver Hawkeye sold out. Indiana has had, you know, they built through uh, winning the WNIT and then they've managed to continue to build their fan base. And so to have a coach that not only can help recruit, but uh, can really be the, um, you know, the the poster of, of your program, I think is going to be important as well. Cause you got to build the fan base. And it's one of those chicken and egg things because You bring recruits into a State Farm Center that uh, is not very full at all. Uh, It's tough to sell that, but it's tough to get fans to come out if you're not winning as well. So, uh, you know, at some point, yeah, you're gonna have to break through and and uh, and I think there's potential here. I mean, like I mentioned those the programs at Indiana and Michigan that had no success. um, Minnesota uh, back in the, uh, you know, the era that you're talking about the late to mid to late 2000s they were at the very bottom they got a local product in Lindsay Whalen that said I'm going to stay home uh, Brenda Fries was the coach at the time when they recruited and a few years later they were in the final four so um, it can happen at Illinois it, it you know it's uh, the Big Ten as I said is is strong and getting stronger and it's, so we'll be up against that but um, you know the potential is certainly there.
0: Mike Kuhn, visit Champaign County, also play-by-play for a women's basketball, a jack-of-all-trades. Mike Kuhn, can't thank you enough, <laughs> thank you. man, for the time.
1: Absolutely. Uh, happy to do it. Uh, anytime.
0: Great insight from Mike Kuhn, because I know not a lot of you are paying attention to Illinois women's basketball. They haven't given you very many reasons to have attention. Like I would like to cover them a little bit more, but there's only so much people are interested in a program that's winning one or two Big Ten games a year I remember Nancy Faye saying hey I hope to see you guys more this year and it was like okay yeah if, if there's some progress you know, I set the standard of hey win five or six games and I think people might get interested with young players like Adelia McKenzie and Nye and I and Jada Peebles and now Kendall Bostick, a transfer who led the Big Ten in rebounding this past year but just not able to put it together and I know they had the COVID pauses and all that but you had to show more progress and, and Illinois certainly didn't do that so we'll see where Nancy Faye goes from here she says she's retiring from coaching but uh, Josh. Whitman, he told us last summer this is an oddity of a job. They've they've gone so many different directions and none of them have, have gained traction. I, I think a big part of Matt Bolant was you know not having continuity. He got some talent here uh to Champagne, Chatrice White, a McDonald's All American being one of them. But it's not like every couple of years you have players transferring out, and we find out why, uh, with Mike DeVilbis and that whole scandal with the assistant uh, abuse and all of that. Uh, and, and then, you know, Nancy Fay comes in here and it gives you a little bit of credibility like Lovie Smith, but like Lovie Smith, not enough winning. So we'll see if the next coach can get that, the talent, the culture piece right, and then just the the improvement and the continuity uh, this program certainly, certainly needs. So tough job for Josh Whitman, but he's his job is to find that next person, kind of like he found with Brad Underwood, and he hopes so with Brett Bioma. All right, thank you as always for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, a rating, review wherever you get your podcast. Also check us out on YouTube if you don't already. We put all our interviews, all, most of our podcasts uh, as well, and clip up some things as well if you want to see some more short bursts of uh, some of our content up there at Illini Inquirer. So check that out on YouTube as well. And as always, if you want a month of VIP access, now is a good time for that at Illini Inquirer with Illinois football recruiting and, of course, Illinois basketball making its postseason run should be very interesting and I think a lot of fun uh, to follow this. So uh, check us out at IlanaInquire.com there. But until next time, everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. and We'll talk to you next time on the Ilana Inquire podcast.